Local knowledge is presented by Tag Heuer. Bring your golf rounds to the next level. Passionate about golf, Tag Heuer is setting a new dimension in watchmaking through cutting-edge technology by creating the Tag Heuer Connected Golf Edition. Distance to green and hazards, interactive maps, shot distance, smart scorecard, the Tag Heuer Connected Golf Edition is the high-performing companion to any golf player who wants to track and take their game to the next level. The Tag Heuer Connected Golf Edition, together with the Tag Heuer Golf App, is the ultimate companion for on and off the golf course. Designed for performance, ready for everyday life. Visit tagheuer.com golf to learn more. There were, there were two things that um, allow us to play our best. I think that Paul The date is September 26th, 2014, and Phil Mickelson is about to make things pretty awkward. The U.S. has just been thumped, 16.5 to 10.5, in the Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles. It's the U.S.'s third loss in a row, and Mickelson is about to go full scorched earth on his captain, Tom Watson. And he's going to do it in the most passive-aggressive way possible, by comparing him to a captain he did like, Paul Azinger, who led the U.S. to victory in 2008. I'm just, I'm just looking back at what gave us the most success. Uh, because we use that same process in the President's Cup, and we do really well. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we have uh, strayed from a winning formula in 08 for the last three Ryder Cups, and, and we, uh, we need to consider maybe getting back to that formula that, that helped us play our best. It was a wild moment. One all-time great calling out another all-time great in a very public forum. This was a low point for the U.S. Ryder Cup ecosystem. Three straight losses and, clearly, conflicting visions in the team room. So the PGA of America launched the Ryder Cup Task Force, which would seek to overhaul the entire Ryder Cup system with an eye toward winning more. The early results were positive. The U.S. won the 2016 Ryder Cup at Hazeltine, 17 to 11. The real test, however, would come in 2018, on the road at Le Golf National in Paris. And it was a disaster. In a stroke of irony, the decisive shot, and not in a good way, was hit by Phil Mickelson. And that is right. And that sums up Phil Mickelson's week. Right there. That's official. That's official. Europe has the Ryder Cup back. The aftermath of the 17.5 to 10.5 thumping was even worse. Well, the big question is, why break up Spieth and Reed, that successful pair? Here's the quote. I was looking at Spieth about to light up the room like Phil in 14. It was obvious Jordan didn't want to play with me. This is Patrick Reed from the New York Times. I don't have any issues with Jordan when it comes right down to it. I don't care if I like the person. Reed Spieth wasn't the only feud. The Telegraph reported that Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka almost came to blows during an event shortly after the match is finished. All this to say, in recent Ryder Cups, U.S. teams have been pretty awful. Europe has won seven of the last nine, despite being the underdog, at least on paper, in virtually all of them. So how does this keep happening? If the European players aren't better, are there captains? I'm Dan Rappaport, and this is Local Knowledge, the Golf Digest podcast that takes a deep dive into the most compelling stories in the world of golf. Today's episode will look at the role of the Ryder Cup captain, what they do, how they do it, what works, and what doesn't. I spoke to a number of past captains, as well as players and caddies, 
to learn how they approach leading a group of the world's best players and what lessons they learned in the process. In doing so, I kept one question in mind. Is leadership really what determines success or failure in the Ryder Cup? Back in the 60s and 70s, Ryder Cup captains didn't matter as much because the Ryder Cup didn't matter as much. Here's Davis Love III, who played on six Ryder Cup teams and captained the U.S. side in 2012 when they lost and 2016 when they won. He's also a vice captain for this year's Ryder Cup team. When I came out on tour or when I started watching it in 1980, nobody really cared, you know? About the Ryder it Cup. Wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal, Yeah. right? The Masters and the U.S. Open were way bigger deal than the Ryder Cup. I mean, Tom Weisskopf, you know, was like, I'm going to go hunting instead of playing. Hmm. It, it really wasn't that big a deal. It's a true story. In 1977, Weisskopf told the PGA of America that he would not play in the Ryder Cup at Royal Lytham in St. Anne's because he wanted to hunt bighorn sheep in the Canadian Rockies. So yeah, it wasn't the can't-miss, circle-on-your-calendar event back then. That year, 1977, was the last match between the U.S. and Great Britain and Ireland. In 1979, continental Europe was brought into the equation, and things became much more competitive immediately. Until we lost the America's Cup, nobody cared. But as soon as we lose the America's Cup, people were, how can the United States lose a, a boat race? You know, let's get after this. And the same thing with the Ryder Cup is like, how do we keep losing this match? A wake-up call came in 1987, when a team captained by Jack Nicholas lost on a course designed by Jack Nicholas in the U.S. at Muirfield Village in Columbus. The Ryder Cup then reached another level in 1991 at the War by the Shore at Kiwa Island. The U.S. narrowly beat Europe that year in a match that got really testy. The captain of that U.S. side was Dave Stockton, who is now 79 years old. I spoke with Dave over the phone, and he still remembers every bit of his captaincy like it was yesterday, particularly his decision to use a captain's pick on 49-year-old Raymond Floyd. One thing became clear pretty quickly from my conversations. Captain's picks are the most impact a captain can have on his team, especially for this year, when Steve Stricker filled out a full half of his team with captain's picks. Dave Stockton only had three back in 1991. I, I view the captain's picks as filling the needs that you that you have, that you're looking at. In, in my case, uh, I have profiled my players with Deborah Graham, a psychologist out of, out of San Antonio, Texas, and I wanted to pair my, my guys together according to their mental and, and, and physical capabilities, not just necessarily if they're friends or not, but I want them to mesh, mesh really well. Paul Isinger took this idea to the extreme in 2008. With the help of Dr. Ron Braun, Azinger famously split up his team into three four-man pods based on personalities. They were mini-teams within the larger team based on a team-building concept he learned from the Navy SEALs. They would practice together, they'd eat together, they'd hang out together, and they'd play together. So when it came time for captain's picks, he went to the guys already in the pods. Here's Azinger. I called each individual, like Anthony Kemp's never played Ryder Cup. So I'm saying, I know you never played Ryder Cup, AK, but I'm going to empower you, bro. I'm going to empower you in your pod. What do you mean? I'm going to give you ownership. I'm going to let you guys pick who fills out your group. And that's how I sold it to all of them. And like Mickelson, I said, Phil, there's six guys that are green lights that I think are playing well enough to fit in your pod. 
if you choose outside the six names, I'm going to have to explain to you why you're wrong. I said, but you and Justin and Anthony Kim got to call me back because I need to pick. And I told them the six names, and I called Justin Leonard. And they, they three, they called each other, and they decided Hunter Mayhem. So then I sell Hunter Mayhem on this concept of team building. And, oh, by the way, Hunter, they picked you. He's ready to run through a wall. So suddenly we created what Europe has naturally. And I feel like in, it's a razor-thin edge, right? It's like blackjack. They build casinos on a 1% advantage. I think that's all you're looking for. Can I get that little bit of an edge? So what were those pods, by the way? How did he split his players up and his assistant captains? Look at my three four-man teams. The Redneck group, we called them, with J.B. Holmes and Boo Weekly and Furek and uh, who else was in there? Kenny Perry. So that was a Kentucky group. Olin Brown was with them. I had steady support of Stockton with the steady support of Stricter, Sink, uh, Chad Campbell, Ben Curtis. And then I had Raymond Floyd with all the aggressive guys. Nicholson, AK, uh, you know, Hunter Mayhem. And Justin Leonard. Justin Leonard was the last member of the aggressives. So you had the aggressives, the steadies, and the rednecks. By the way, Tiger missed that Ryder Cup due to injury. But Paul told me that he would have been a part of the Redneck group. The pod system was an instant hit. Here's Stuart Sink, who was on that 2008 team. Well, uh, I have to say that Zinger, the first time he introduced the pod system to us, which wasn't at the Ryder Cup, it was before, but he got us all in invested in that right away. And it was amazing the way that the whole team rallied behind that and got, got into it. And, and look what happened. We won. It was amazing. And I, don't, I think the pod system probably was related to us winning and probably was responsible, but I can't say for sure that it wasn't just the fact that we all rallied behind something. Somebody could have said, all of your favorite colors is green this week, and we could have been like, yes, let's go, and we might have won. But we would have gotten behind something, and we got behind that pod system. So that was the coolest thing I thought a captain brought to the table. So Stockton and Azinger both prioritized personalities when it came to their captain's picks. Jim Furyk, the captain of the 2018 team that lost in France, prioritized form. He picked Tiger Woods, Tony Finau, Phil Mickelson, and Bryson DeChambeau because they were playing the best. But they were playing the best on American-style courses in 72 whole-stroke play events. Then they got over to Le Golf Nacional, and the fairways were about as wide as a Holiday Inn hallway. Finau went 2-1 that week, but Tiger went 0-3, DeChambeau went 0-3, and Phil went 0-2. This was a case of wrong horse for the wrong course. One of Furyk's assistant captains that week was Davis Love III. Obviously, Tiger and Phil got over there and did not play well. And then we got Matt Kuchar and Zach Johnson, who had a lot of fairways as assistant captains. Yes. You know, we're like, wait a minute, we should be playing our assistant captains once we got into the matches. Thomas Bjorn, the European captain in 2018, had no such issues. He took a bit of heat when he named his captain's picks, who were all 38 years old or older at the time. Ian Poulter... Sergio Garcia, Paul Casey, and Henrik Stenson. Bjorn's philosophy? Those guys had games that would suit Le Golf Nationale, fairways and greens. It wasn't a bomber's course, so he didn't pick bombers. Those four picks won a combined 9-4-1 that week. And it's no coincidence, says Paul McGinley, who played on three Ryder Cup teams, was an assistant captain on two, and captained the European side to victory over Tom Watson and the U.S. in 2014. For me, I'm horses for courses. I've always been a believer in that. Uh, as, a, as a golfer myself, uh, there were certain courses that suited me. 
Um, you're looking for form and also suitability to a certain style of golf course. So when I was captain, um, you know, when we applied this statistics team called strokeaverage.com and, and we no team, either America or Europe, had employed a full-time statistics team before. I was the first guy, I believe, to do that. And um, my first question to them was, um, right after I got the right after I got the job, you know, 18 months, 19 months before the the, the Ryder Cup, uh, my first request to them was to trawl through the last 10 years of the Johnny Walker Championship, which was played at Glen Eagles, and give me the correlations. And I want it in one page. I want the big correlations. I don't want the minutiae. I want the big picture stuff. What is the key to unlocking this golf course? One guy who seems to have gotten the horses for courses message is Steve Stricker. After announcing his six picks for Whistling Straits, Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth, Harris English, Daniel Berger, and Scotty Scheffler, he didn't hesitate when he was asked what factored into the decision. Here he is talking about Tony Finau. Tremendous athlete, very, very long off the tee, which again, we believe will fit Whistling Straits to a tee. Here he is talking about Scotty Scheffler. His stats across the board are very solid from top to bottom. Here he is talking about why he didn't pick Kevin Na. You know, even though he played well down the, down the stretch, um, you know, there were some things, uh, length off the tee, I think was a, was a big deal. And in summary? Really kind of leaned on guys um, who really fit the course, I think more so uh, than anything. And, and the six guys that I picked feel like really fit the course uh, to a tee. Paul McGinley's not officially a part of this Ryder Cup team, but he's an analyst for Sky Sports now, and so he still made a point of watching Stricker's press conference. And he noticed a shift in philosophy. And this is his quote. We are not going to be out-prepared for this Ryder Cup. Lessons learned. That's the point I'm making. I do think that, uh, you know, this is the task force. If you wanted to get it, you know, and I know it's been ridiculed to some extent and the successional planning and all that of what's gone with the task force, but if you want to see it in operation, just watch what he did today in his press conference and just watch the decision-making that he has made. Uh, and there's no doubt a lot of that has come from licking the wounds of mistakes that were made, uh, obviously quite clearly in Paris. You know, there's a lot of conjecture about the picks and, you know, some of the vice captains might have been better suited to that golf course and things like that. And, and, and you know, I think they've gone away and they've had a look at it. And horses for courses um, is certainly a mantra that he talked about today when he made his picks. Once a captain has made his picks, he'll shift his attention to some non-golf, more administrative duties. For one, he's in charge of making sure that everyone's clothes fit. Remember, in normal events, these guys all wear clothes from their sponsors who all have their measurements. But for the Ryder Cup, they're all wearing Polo Ralph Lauren. Clothes might not seem like a big deal until they are a big deal. Like in 2010, when the US came out in these awful rain suits that were horribly ugly and also didn't keep everyone dry. The clothes stuff is serious business. Here's Davis Love III. You showed up, the clothes were in your in your room, and you just put them on. Now we have tailors at on site. If anybody has a tiger's stuff never fit, and it was a big joke. Well, it isn't a joke anymore. <laughs> Ralph Lauren will have four or five staff making sure that everybody's clothes fit on Monday and Tuesday. The clothes have to be right, And so does the food. You don't want to take these guys out of rhythm. They're on the Ryder Cup team for a reason. Clearly, their week-in, week-out methods work. Getting to know Bubba and talking to him about food um, 
led us to have a great protein shake kind of program in 2016 that Randy Myers put together. So yeah, we're, we're trying to make sure guys stay in their routine. Um, I always say Bubba wants protein shakes and Tiger can't have garlic. So there, there's two main things we have to make sure we get. And if, if the next generation, somebody's going to have a special, you know, you see it at fine restaurants now all the time, right? When you sit down, they go, are there any food allergies, yeah. any requests? We're doing that. You can't put out a buffet with a, everything has garlic in it and take out your best player. Making these guys feel comfortable is massive. They're used to having their swing coach, their putting coach, mental coach, whoever, with them every tournament. They're intense creatures of habit, traveling city to city, on the road 25 weeks a year, and they try to create some semblance of familiarity by doing the same things every week. It's important to them. Here's what Brooks Kepka said in this month's Golf Digest cover story when asked about the Ryder Cup. It's different, he said. It's hectic. It's a bit odd, if I'm honest. I don't want to say it's a bad week. We're just so individualized and everybody has their routine and a different way of doing things. And now it's like, okay, we have a meeting at this time or go do this or go do that. It's the opposite of what happens during major week. And here's what he said later. You go from an individual sport all the time to a team sport one week a year. It's so far from my normal routine. I can barely see my personal team. It's hard to even go to the gym. Paul McGinley thought it would be silly to yank these individuals out of their environment and try to create some incredible bond for one week every two years. He let them do what they do. Victor Dubasson, for example, had three really close friends who weren't really golfers that he grew up with. They were important. They were important for his mental well-being. They were important as a support group and a network for him uh, to be there. And, you know, no problem, Victor, bring them along. I'll get them, to, I'll get them rooms there. They'll stay in a hotel. No problem. We'll sort them out. We'll get them inside the ropes passes. They will be there on your shoulder, you know, and, and, and that's how I saw it. Um, I, you know, trying to, this is what makes Ryder Cup captaincy so unique from a leadership point of view is, is that, you know, you're taking guys who are trained from the age of 13 with an individual selfish mindset. I include myself in this as a golfer. You have to be somewhat selfish to be successful in this game. So trying to take that mindset that they've been in since the age of 13 or 14 and take them in one week every two years and all of a sudden turn them into incredible teammates and incredible bonding, that's, that's something I don't think can be achieved. So I, I felt, again, going back to the, the big picture stuff, my view was let them stay as individuals. That's okay. We can still be a team with individuals and, and have the individual mindset and don't contaminate what they do on a week-to-week basis with all of a sudden trying to overteam things and be too much bonded with each other. Let the bonding happen naturally. No, don't force it. Once the players and their swing coaches and their childhood friends arrive on site, the next order of business is getting comfortable with the course. This hasn't been an issue for the Europeans at their last two home Ryder Cups because both were held at courses that held yearly European tour events in the years leading up. In 2014, it was Glen Eagles in Scotland which hosted the Johnny Walker Championship. And in 2018, it was Le Golf National, which held the French Open just two months before the Ryder Cup. Surely a good chunk of Americans would make the trip over to get an early look at the setup, which was way narrower than the average PGA Tour course. I think he thickened the rough a little bit, but the fairway widths were no different than they were for the French Open. And we've played 20-odd French Opens around that golf course. And that was the really surprising thing for us, that only Justin Thomas came over to see it, um, to see the golf course and what it was like. After getting his sneak peek, 
Justin Thomas went 4-1 in Paris, a lone bright spot for the Americans. Again, Stricker seems to have learned his lesson here. As McGinley pointed out, he's hell-bent on not being out-prepared. We're going to have a practice round here uh, coming up here shortly. Um, yeah, and from what I understand, uh, all the players and all the caddies will be here. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's ever happened um, in any other previous Ryder Cup where we've been all able to assemble uh, at the venue before it actually takes place. So my message from day one has been to try to out-prepare um, the other team, the European team. Stricker can influence the way Whistling Straits will be set up only until the Monday of Ryder Cup week. It's a rule in the mutually agreed upon captain's agreement that's been in place for decades. And it's a rule that Paul Azinger pushed to its limits in 2008, when he became so close with Valhalla's superintendent Mark Wilson that, well, you'll just have to hear this one for yourself. I did bond with the superintendent Mark Wilson. He even named his dog Zinger. Um, I still keep in touch with Mark Wilson, the superintendent. And, uh, called him up and I remember saying, Mark, I, I consider you an integral part of, of our chances to win these matches. I said, I got a bunch of guys. I'm, so I might have a bunch of guys that bother and, and I, might, I might have a bunch of guys that hit it. These shooters right down the middle. I said, I don't know what to do with that rock. He says, hey, singer. He says, let's keep it short. And he says, if you got bombers, we'll keep it short. He says, but he says, if you got a bunch of short hitters, Azinger wanted to replicate the type of long, spongy, soft courses that Americans see all the time on the PGA Tour. The golf courses that they feast on on the PGA Tour. You look at the performances of Cantlay, and you look at the performance of the Shambo, and you look at the performance of so many of the Americans in the dart fest that the playoffs were. Every one of those events was just a dart fest of, of soft golf courses with soft greens and virtually no wind. And you look how much the Americans revel in those conditions, humidity, warm, ball flying miles. The Americans eat those conditions up. Which is why European captains have tried to handcuff the Americans in the past. In 2002 at the Belfry, Sam Torrance had the rough made brutal just off the fairway, and Ian Woosnam followed his lead in 2006 at the K Club. Whistling Straits will be an interesting venue. On one hand, as Stricker made clear, driving distance is a huge advantage, and the Americans have the edge there. But it's also a link-style course, on the water, where wind is typically a factor. And late September in Wisconsin can feel a lot more like Ireland than Kentucky. We've arrived at the actual Ryder Cup part of the Ryder Cup, the golf matches. Captains have employed different strategies when it comes to pairing guys together. Azinger had his pods, so he mixed and matched within those. European captains throughout the years have often paired together guys from the same country, the Englishmen, the Spanish, the Irish. The US team has two pairings more or less penciled in for Whistling Straits, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, and Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. They're close friends and they want to play together. Back in 2012, Zach Johnson and Jason Duffner told Captain Davis Love that they too wanted to play together. There was just one problem. Zach with Jason Duffner. 
they wanted to play together really bad, but Jason was so quiet that Zach was getting a little bit like freaked out practicing. And I go, Jason, just ask him a question every once in a while. And, and he'll, he'll go. You just have to everyone's and Jay, you know, he's a really, really smart, funny guy, but when he's on the golf course, sometimes he just doesn't say anything. I said, just, just every once in a while, ask him something just to keep him going. And they got along great. In 2004, U.S. Captain Hal Sutton paired together two guys who were not friends and did not want to play together, Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. Mickelson had switched from Titleist to Callaway the week before the Ryder Cup. We could do a whole podcast on that decision alone. And he and Woods lost both matches they played on Friday. It's widely considered one of the worst Ryder Cup pairing decisions in recent memory. And yet, interestingly enough, Tiger's done a bunch of losing at the Ryder Cup especially in the two-man sessions where he's 9-19-1. Historically, he's been a really tough guy to find a pairing for. Well, he's hard to pair, one, because he doesn't, he's not going to give you a long list, <laughs> and two, because some guys just get nervous playing with him. Um, I took, I asked to play with him, but I was nervous playing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like I could play his golf ball better than some other guys, and you know, we, there was a lot of reasons and we had a little bit of success together, but it's hard to pair him. It was also kind of hard to pair Jack Nicklaus, especially in foursomes. Let's go back to Dave Stockton, who played with Jack in the 1971 Ryder Cup at Old Warson Country Club in St. Louis. In my experience as a player, my first one in 71, 71, I mean, I, I, paired, I played with Nicklaus, and I'd never played a practice round with him. And I played an alternate shot with him. And were, you, were you nervous? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but I was playing the best golf of my life. I, you know, mm-hmm. I was playing really good. I'd won the, you know, I'd won the PGA the year before. I'd won a bunch of stuff, and I was I was playing well. But I got out there, and here we are all in a shot, and I'm leaving him 30, 40 yards back from where he's used to being. And that's the only match I lost in, in Ryder Cup in the, in the two years that I played, was playing with Nicholas, who's the best player that I've ever played with. There's no one method to follow for pairings, but everyone I spoke to said communication is vitally important. There should be no surprises when it comes to pairings. Guys want to know who they're going to play with. And if they're sitting, they want the captain to tell them face-to-face rather than finding out on the TV or on Twitter. Communication is key. Remember back at the beginning, the clip of Patrick Reed complaining about not playing with Jordan Spieth? It sure seems like he didn't know he would not be playing with Spieth until the week of the Ryder Cup. And in Ryder Cup Captaincy 101, That's a no-no. Once the matches start, most captains are pretty hands-off. These days, they have enough vice captains to assign one to walk with each group and be there for support. The captain himself will usually ride around in the cart, earpiece in, showing face and providing words of encouragement. Or some, like Paul McGinley, were even more hands-off. You know, I'm never going to be telling Rory McIlroy it's a five iron instead of a six iron or, you know, be careful with the putt here. It breaks a bit more than you think. And who am I to go on the golf course and tell them in the middle of play what they were doing? So, again, big picture stuff, simplicity stuff. Uh, I had meeting with the caddies every night and I said to the caddies on the very first night, guys, you're with your player every week. You make great decisions. That's why you're in this team. Some of you are top players in the world. Some of you are top caddies in the world who have won major championships with your player. You understand your player as much as I've done my research and know them as players and statistically know them and know them as individuals. And I feel like I'm really well prepared. 
I am never going to think that I know more about the player than you do. So when you get on the golf course and you walk off that first tee, I will not contaminate your relationship with the player in any way. And I won't get involved in any decision-making process. It's up to you at that stage and off you go. Others did it differently. Perhaps you're sensing a theme here. There's no one way to captain a team. Seve Ballesteros, for example, had no issues walking right up to players and telling them what shot they should hit. Paul Azinger knew how to fire up his guys, and he knew which guy needed a good old-fashioned kick in the ass. Anthony Kim. When him and Mickelson got behind, and AK airmailed the 13th or, 14th, 13th or 14th hole, I think. It was 14, he airmailed the green, they were two down. And he was so confident, and I walked up to him, I hadn't seen him since the first tee. And on the first tee, by the way, you know, he was like, we're going to whoop our ass, folks. We're going to whoop our ass. Well, we get on the 14th, and I hadn't seen him. He's Mickelson's back there trying to figure out how to hit an impossible shot. And I asked Ron, I said, what do I need to say to this guy? He said, just go challenge him. So I stopped the cart, walked up there, and he was watching Phil get ready to hit. And I walked up under the rope, and I looked at him. and didn't even say anything to him. And he looked at me, and he goes, what's wrong, bud? I said, what the hell, bud? I said, I thought you were going to show off for me today. You're showing me shit. In the end, I challenged AK. So they come back. I think they tied the match. They might have won that match. But you couldn't go up and say that to Stricker, or you shouldn't, or to Ben Curtis. You know, you shouldn't say that to them. The last crucial decision a captain has to make is the order in which he'll send his players out in singles. All 12 guys have to play, so there's no worries about sitting anyone or pairings, just the order. So how do you decide? Back in 2012, Davis Love's side carried a commanding 10-6 lead heading into singles, and he admits that he didn't really have a plan for Sunday. We roll through the first two days, and even though Europe had a, a nice finish on Saturday night, we were still four ahead. But I did not have a plan for Sunday. And we sat around going, well, okay, well, Bub and Webb like to play fast and they want to go first. We'll just let them go first. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, well, if we put um, Duffner right here, he might get the last point. And we'll put, oh, Tiger likes to go last. Tiger, you, you want to go last? Yeah, okay, go ahead, go last. We just willy-nilly it. Right. And so what happened was, is Bubba and Webb got out there and got off to a bad start and got nervous. A terrible start. Webb Simpson, Bubba Watson, and Keegan Bradley lost the first three matches to Luke Donald, Ian Poulter, and Rory McIlroy, and the momentum had completely flipped. The wheels of an all-time comeback were in motion. And Europe has pulled off the improbable, the long miracle of Medina. Momentum is such an important factor and how sometimes you can plan for it. Um, you can't control it, but you can certainly plan for it. And how you put out your team and the order you put out the team is planning for it, giving yourself the best chances of getting momentum. Um, and going back to Medina, um, we won that Ryder Cup. Um, listen, I'm, I'm never going to say ever that, 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 that we, won, we won it off the course or the captain or the decisions made off the course made it. But there is no doubt about it, going into the singles with a four-point deficit, the way the two captains put out the teams on the Sunday, um, gave us a great chance of getting momentum. You look at the quality of players we had at the top of the order and how the Americans didn't do that. How Tiger Woods, who was the number one player in the world, he won two or three times that year on tour, was still very dominant. Had to put him out number 12 with a, with, with, with a four-point lead. 
you know when you have um you know wh when you have your foot on the gas you press the accelerator and you you drive over the line you know you don't give the you don't take your foot off the gas and let somebody try to catch you up davis love learned his lesson by the time he got another captaincy in 2016 he made sure not to make that same mistake fast forward to 2016 we decided weeks ahead that no matter what the score was and i worked with rotella a lot on this and the assistant captains no matter what the score is whoever's playing the best is going the first six guys and you know after watching for a week you know okay jordan and patrick are playing great and we're gonna just stack stack them up mm -hmm. so sure enough that's how we got patrick reed versus rory mcelroy it's because right. we we made patrick reed go first and he didn't want to go first he wanted to go later I said, no, <laughs> you're playing the best. You're going first and your partner's going second. This is the part where we acknowledge what we've been hinting at. A captain's influence can only go so far. He can put his team in position to win by using his captain's picks wisely and communicating well and nailing his pairings, but he can't win the Ryder Cup. On the flip side, a captain can make it harder for his team to win by picking bombers for a plotter's course and not talking to his players and putting his better players out last in singles, but he can't lose the Ryder Cup. A captain can do everything right and lose, and a captain can do everything wrong and win. Because it boils down to this. The captain does not hit a single shot all week. It's going to come down to, every time, who plays better and who holds more putts. Here's Rory McIlroy. The captain doesn't hit any shots, and that's what I always say. I mean, I've played under some pretty average captains. I've played under some really good captains, and we've won both times. So it's not as if it doesn't, it, it's not, it's not, like I'm not trying to play down the, the role of the captain, but it's, I don't think it's as important as everyone thinks it is. The, the players are the ones on the, on the golf course hitting the shots and holding the putts. So why has the U.S. been dominated in recent Ryder Cups? The answer is frustratingly simple, and you don't even need a task force to find it out. It's because the Europeans have played better. It's as simple as that. Local Knowledge is produced by Greg Gottfried with editorial guidance from Sam Weinman. The music for today's episode is called Lobo Lobo, and it's by Blue Dot Sessions. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do subscribe to Local Knowledge wherever you get your podcasts, download the episode, it's important to do that, and leave us a review. Thanks so much.